Since the beginning of the pandemic and reporting on this, I have not seen any other place that locks down the way China locks down. China has announced its biggest citywide lockdown since the COVID outbreak began. When China says that you are locked down, it's very serious. It means that you cannot walk out the front door into any sort of public space. People are being confined to their compounds, their houses, their apartments. China is facing the spread of the COVID-19 Omicron variant. Shanghai, it's the latest city to enter COVID lockdowns in China. 45 Chinese cities have some sort of lockdown measure in place. While the rest of the world is trying to manage how to live with the virus, China continues its zero COVID policy, forcing its population into strict lockdowns. In Shanghai, residents are losing patience after being cooped up at home for more than a month. But why is China keeping itself isolated from the world? And how are people there reacting to the measures? I'm Hala Mahiedin, in for Malika Bilal. And this is The Take. To get us up to speed with how people are facing lockdowns in the Asian country, we got on a call with Al Jazeera's correspondent in Beijing, Katrina Yu. Last month, some 45 cities in China were under full or partial lockdown, and, and Shanghai is really the epicentre of this. Just give us a sense of what's happening. How did these lockdowns really come into being this time? Well, China right now is in the middle of its worst outbreak since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. And China is still implementing more than two years later this zero tolerance approach to COVID-19, despite us having a very different variant of the virus now, Omicron. But still, it's approaching it with the same toolkit that we've seen all these years. Mass testing, lockdowns, isolation, quarantine. And we've seen in Shanghai this huge outbreak. It's now the epicenter of the virus. And as a result, we have more than 25 million people in China's biggest, most prosperous city locked down. The city of Shanghai in China remains under strict lockdown because of COVID. In Shanghai, we've seen officials in hazmat suits disinfecting the streets and fences to stop people leaving their flats. And it's not just people in Shanghai who are affected. As you mentioned, there are many other cities, much smaller cities that are also being affected by this. And in Beijing, in the capital, authorities here are desperately scrambling to try to do all they can to contain an outbreak and prevent a citywide lockdown. Katrina, you talked about zero COVID, and that uh, seems to be the, the, the buzzword when you're talking about COVID in China. We've all thought that after the initial outbreak, China's really seemed to have things very much under control while people elsewhere in the world were under lockdown or getting really sick, China was living a, a normal life. It was quite extraordinary. What do you mean by zero COVID? And why is China now in this position? I think the easiest way to explain it is that China refuses to coexist with the virus. Coexisting with the coronavirus is not acceptable in the eyes of the authorities. 
And I think one major reason does hark back to exactly what you're saying, in that there is a lot of pride when it comes to China, when talking about its ability to get the virus under control in that first year of the pandemic. And as a result, they were able to return practically to normal life for the majority of the country from about April, May 2020 onwards. And so because China was able to conquer the virus, it was able to resume normal economic activity. And we saw that China was one of the only major economies to post a GDP profit for that year. And even now that we have a very different kind of pandemic, Chinese leadership are very stubborn and they're refusing to move from that. It's quite interesting, though, because elsewhere in the world, we've all been getting vaccinated, getting boosted, and that's really, it's made a big difference. Has China been doing the same things? You have the zero tolerance approach to COVID, but has China also been vaccinating and boosting? Isn't that helping keep the virus at bay? So the Chinese government says that according to official figures, about 80% of the population are double vaccinated. But at the same time, because of the way the Chinese government went around vaccinating people, they prioritized essential workers, people who are responsible for keeping the country running. What was different in China compared to the West is that the elderly were not actually prioritized. So right now, the biggest problem, especially that we're seeing in Shanghai, most of these fatalities are because the majority of elderly people in China are still not vaccinated. Talk to us about what's happening in Shanghai, because lockdown, many people have lived through a lockdown of sorts, but it does vary from place to place. So for for listeners worldwide, just explain to us what a lockdown in Shanghai is really like. So what originally happened in Shanghai is that they were identifying a few cases. And for the longest time in the weeks leading up to that initial lockdown, authorities in Shanghai were telling people, yes, we know that there are cases, but Shanghai is too important. We're not going to lock down Shanghai. And I think there was a sense of confidence, perhaps overconfidence. Katrina says that authorities realised the numbers were growing at the end of March, so they started a partial four-day lockdown, dividing the city into two halves. One side spent some time under lockdown, while the other side continued with their lives. But the number of infections increased. And it became very clear to the authorities that, no way, this lockdown is not going to last for four days. In fact, Everybody now is going to go into lockdown indefinitely until we can get this under control. Two weeks into a COVID lockdown in China's biggest city, Shanghai. The city enters its third week of COVID lockdown. Shanghai has been closed down for five weeks. What sort of measures are in place there? The thing in China is that these lockdowns are directives given from above, but they're actually imposed by the people at the grassroots. So you have these neighborhood committees and they're responsible for controlling how that particular neighborhood is locked down. So that means that people's experiences under lockdown are entirely different and depend on how anxious, tolerant or merciful their neighborhood committee is. But also in Shanghai, lockdowns are divided into three separate zones. In the low-risk zone, that means that you're living in a neighbourhood where they have not identified a positive COVID case for about two weeks. And because of this, 
you are allowed to go into the compound, and perhaps you're even allowed to walk out into the street. The caveat is that depending on how nervous your neighborhood community is, they may not even allow that. If you live in a medium risk zone, that means you're allowed to walk out of your apartment and walk freely around your compound. That you're not allowed to leave your compound. And if you live in a high risk zone, well, that's the most serious level of lockdown. That means you are still not able to leave your front door. We wanted to hear from the people in those lockdown zones in Shanghai. We contacted some Chinese nationals, but they were all afraid to talk to us. However, one foreigner replied to our request. My name is Christian Petersen Clausen, and I'm a documentary filmmaker in Shanghai. Chris is German and lives in Putuo District in Shanghai. In theory, he cannot leave his apartment, but he's also one of those people wearing a white hazmat suit as a volunteer in his building. These hazmat-looking suits—they're head to toe. They don't breathe. They're incredibly uncomfortable. But volunteering wearing that suit allows him to get out of his apartment. What I do is I take the trash out for everybody because people are not allowed to bring it downstairs. They instead deposit it on their floors opposite of the elevators. So we do that for twenty-two floors. I knock on doors every morning when there's a COVID test. So when you, you're talking about you, know, you take the trash out, you're really helping keeping your community going. Are, are your neighbors grateful to you for this service, or do they express their own frustrations? So we've heard stories of people trying to attack these volunteers. I've seen these social media videos of people in these white suits being attacked as well, and quite frankly.、Um, It is very easy to forget that there's just another human being, and often one of your neighbors in it. And I understand that people can be frustrated, and I've heard people say nasty things to other people. But in general, in my building, I'm very lucky. People must be really frustrated. How do you feel now that you've had a month of lockdown? You're going into another week. You don't know when it's end. How are you feeling? How are you coping? You laid your finger right on the wound there. It's this lack of communication, this lack of definite end, that is dispiriting and frustrating people. When you don't have clear communication like that, what happens is that rumors start flying, that false hopes are being created, and that makes the whole experience emotionally even tougher for people. Do you get a sense that this that the goodwill is running out? I do. Quite frankly. I can't find a single person, neither Chinese nor expat in Shanghai, who will support this lockdown and say this is appropriate because Omicron is wildly seen as not as lethal, as serious as previous variants have been. Katrina, as we are speaking now, Shanghai is is going into its fifth. Week of lockdown, a lockdown that was supposed to only last four days. We've seen videos from Shanghai of people banging pots and pans and demanding freedom. What's the general reaction been, and how's the government responding to this? I think there's an enormous amount of unrest, anger, frustration, and. Desperation, especially because people were simply not prepared. 
authorities said that they only needed to prepare for four days. So you would only stock up on four days worth of food. So there wasn't a problem with having enough food in the city. There was enough food, but there was just nobody around to deliver it to the 25 million people stuck at home. This is considered the best place to live in China. And suddenly they had to barter for noodles. So the authorities have been working very hard at silencing any protest, any criticism. People have been putting these videos up and you see that shortly after they get erased from social media. The government doesn't believe there should be space for this. They want the entire country behind this policy. You're in Beijing mm -hmm. and your district's mass testing right now. Tonight, Chinese authorities ordering mass COVID testing in Beijing. Just explain to us what this mass testing is. What does it look like for you? And are you worried that Beijing might be next? So in Beijing on the weekend, I think April 22nd, April 23, April 24, all of a sudden the government found that there were a few dozen cases linked to a school in Chaoyang district, which is the eastern part of the city. And a couple of neighborhoods were put under lockdown and Chaoyang district, it was announced, would have to mass test three times in one week. Chaoyang district has about five to six million people working in it. And that's a big number. But they did the first round of mass testing and then found out the virus had spread to other parts of the city. So authorities decided to mass test most of the districts in Beijing. 20 million people were ordered to get tested every two days. And so I've done about at least four mass tests, four COVID tests this past week because of this mass testing. So from when they announced this thing, you immediately saw lines all around the city. Everybody's lining up for these nucleic acid or the PCR tests. What happens if you test positive? I think one of the key things about China's zero COVID policy is that no matter what your symptoms are, if you test positive for COVID-19, you will be sent to a centralized quarantine facility. You cannot stay at home. Even if you have no symptoms, in Beijing, you get sent to one particular hospital. In Shanghai, they've created a few makeshift hospitals all throughout the city. And some of these, according to some of the social media videos that we've been sent, have pretty horrible conditions. So people are trying to do all they can to prevent getting COVID because nobody wants to be sent to a quarantine center. I mean, personally speaking, I'm pregnant. The last thing I want is to be sent or end up in a quarantine center, isolated from my loved ones. Though it sounds pretty frightening. It, it sounds pretty scary, to be honest, just to be picked up and sent away to a facility like that. And yet... Given the financial burden this must have on the government, they're still sticking to this COVID policy. Why is that? Is the government still determined to stay with this COVID zero policy? Or are there signs that there might be a better way to deal with this? I think there are three reasons, actually, why the government is committed to this. The first reason is that there's a lot of pride associated with how this policy allowed China to thrive and conquer the virus 
I think the second reason is vaccination. Most of its most vulnerable are still unvaccinated. And I think the third reason, it's that China's been in this bubble where you've had so few cases. That means there's practically no herd immunity here in China. I personally do not know anyone who has caught COVID. That's incredible. And it's almost backed itself into a corner where it's almost made it impossible to open up. Even though there are a lot of people in the Communist Party who feel that this is not sustainable, people are afraid if China does suddenly open its doors, what would happen? Shortly after our interview with Katrina, authorities in Beijing shuttered the entrances to more than 40 subway stations and 158 bus routes as part of new transit restrictions imposed on districts in the eastern side of the city. We spoke to someone in central Beijing, Simon Cockrell, and we asked him if people were afraid that they could be facing a lockdown soon. I think fear is an overstatement because there mainly just seems to be resigned trepidation and a kind of general preparation that's been going on for several days now. So stocking up on supplies has been something which has been done by everyone in the city for a while now. Lines snake outside Beijing supermarkets as residents snap up groceries, panic buying over fears of a lockdown. My feeling is that most people's fear is really of the repercussions of catching COVID rather than of COVID itself. So, Katrina, let's talk about the economy now. You've been talking to business owners in Shanghai about the the lockdowns that they're undergoing. How are the lockdowns affecting others around the country and indeed the, the Chinese economy on the whole? If we just take the significance of Shanghai, it's the commercial center of China. It's also the home of China's biggest shipping port. So we have two problems here. First, that hit supply. Millions of goods come in through this port in Shanghai. There's a backlog now of ships trying to get whatever is required for them to even dock at this port. So these goods are just sitting there and they're simply going to waste if these are fresh food products. And it's just causing this huge, huge backlog. We talked to this one man who, his name is Lei Ge. He owns one of the biggest bicycle producing factories in China. One of his main customers is Walmart in the US. And he has been shut down for weeks. And that man employs 2,000 people. So it's really having a huge effect. To be honest, it's very difficult for them. I, I, I would like to pay a little bit more. But, you know, the, the loss for the company is also big. Um, I don't know how how am I going to survive after this, but uh, I will try to survive after this. And he just said to me, you know, my customers can't wait, but after this lockdown, how many will come back? I don't know. So supply is one thing and demand is the other. The consumers in China, in these current circumstances, they're worried about stocking up their fridge. They're not spending money. And then you have all the people who get parts produced in China, including iPhones and all these other electric goods or cars that we know of that just aren't able to produce what they need. You always think of China as being the workhorse of the the world. And 
we can forget just how interconnected the world is. Now, you spoke to the president of the European Union Chamber of Commerce in China about how these lockdowns and the situation is affecting the international economy. What did he tell you? We spoke to President Jörg Wutke, and he said China's economy is responsible typically for up to 30% of global GDP. If China actually sneezes, you know, the world catches a cold. We need China to succeed. We need China to open up in order to actually maintain also the global economy at a certain speed. He also said that there is some recognition at the highest level that this is bad, that China cannot afford for this to continue. But it's also clear that China's priority is a political one. It's a domestic political one right now. Is there a sense that two years on from the start of when this pandemic was declared, is the the cure worse than the disease itself? Now, people have been arguing about that around the world when it comes to baiting the restrictions that we've all been placed under. So is there a sense that the lockdowns are worse than COVID itself? I think there has definitely been a big shift in the way people here now perceive the way the government handles the coronavirus. And I think there's definitely a sense that the cure is worse than the disease. Because realistically, I don't know anyone in China who is actually afraid of catching COVID. When you ask people what they're afraid of, they're afraid of having their freedom taken away. They're not afraid of actually catching the coronavirus. So I think that does really show that Yes, people increasingly think, whether they say it publicly or not, that the cure has gotten worse than the disease itself. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ney Alvarez with Nagin Oliay, Amy Walters, Alexandra Locke, Ruby Zaman and me, Halama Hiedin. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. This episode was mixed by Seth Samuel. Aya Al-Malaik and Adam Abugad are our engagement producers and we'll be back on Friday.